How can we as healthcare practitioners move from just providing disease management to providing true healthcare? That is the question, and this is the answer. Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast that helps you grow your practice and expand your skills as a practitioner. I'm Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for wellness-minded people and professionals who are passionate about transforming our broken disease management system. I'm Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo, and I passionately believe that all diseases can be prevented or reversed, well, most of them, and I'm really dedicated to empowering health practitioners and people to support themselves to be able to go from diseased, dysfunctional, exhausted, to living their best life possible. So today's episode, we're going to talk about the immune system and inflammation, and we're going to look at some of the genetic markers that predispose people to inflammation, that also predispose people to having maybe some autoimmune conditions, and then some of the lab testing we can do to discover if those genes are expressing. And then some of the things you can do to manage these people to actually get support. Autoimmune disease is at an all-time high. It's epidemic. If it was infectious, we would be calling it an epidemic or a pandemic. And it's a lot of it has to do with the lifestyle, the diet, the toxic exposures, and the stresses of our times. Inflammation is now recognized as at the heart of just about every disease known to mankind, right? Everything that ends in an itis has to do with inflammation. Gastritis, hepatitis, encephalitis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So almost everything, including cardiovascular disease and cancer, are attributed to inflammation in the body. So if you can become adept at recognizing people at risk, at testing people to see are they expressing some of these inflammatory markers, and then managing them, helping them to make the diet and lifestyle and nutrient supplementation and all the stress level things that they can do to get it under control. You start to help people who have given up hope, who have been to all the conventional medical doctors and not gotten hope and just been put on steroids or other anti-inflammatory medications, you actually help them to get their lives back. And then you become their hero And they start referring all their friends and family members because they want their family members to get the same results. It's worth it to you to really dig in and think these things through and not just go into, oh, this person has inflammation. Let's just put them on ginger and turmeric. No, what's the cause? What's the underlying root cause? And how do you help that? Not that ginger and turmeric are not awesome. Some people are not going to be good candidates for it. So let's start with genes. I believe that when you can look at genetic tendencies and you can explain to people that they have predispositions based on their genes, and then you can do some lab testing to show them whether these gene manifestations, these gene risk factors are manifesting, expressing themselves, and then you can help them to guide them and change their diet and lifestyle, you have more clout with them. They're more likely to do the things that you want them to do because you've shown them where they're at risk. You've shown them the markers that are in their blood or other bodily secretions where you tested, and then you give them the lifestyle and diet approaches. They're much more likely 
to follow through. You get people more motivated. So let's jump in. There's a series of genetic markers that predispose people to inflammation and autoimmune. And I'm going to mention a few of them. There's tons of these. We really just want to get familiar with a handful and learn how to test the genes, what reports to look at, and which ones to look at based on what the symptoms are, based on your thorough history with a person. So HLA, histocompatibility locus antigens, there's a series of those. There's an HLA, there's HLA DQA1 and A2, DQ2.2 and DQ8. Those predispose people to autoimmune and to gluten intolerance. You know, there's a lot of stuff about gluten intolerance and a lot of the mainstream medical is saying, yeah, we have 6%, 3%, whatever small percentage of the population has overt celiac disease. But that gluten thing, that's not for everybody. The reality is, first of all, if they tested properly, they'd see that more of the population actually has celiac disease because celiac disease doesn't always manifest in the gut first. It oftentimes manifests in the brain. And that was shown by researchers back in the 1930s. So we have to be looking at symptoms other than they eat a piece of bread and they run to the bathroom, right? That's not the only way that celiac manifests. But that aside, these can predispose people to celiac and to gluten intolerance. And if somebody has these predetermined genetics and they've had early exposure, especially to gluten to activate this, then they're more likely going to have a problem with gluten that may manifest, yes, as diarrhea after eating gluten-containing foods, but it may also manifest as ADHD, growth delay, emotional, schizophrenia. I did a research project on the neurodevelopmental aspects of gluten intolerance and found a ton of that with ADHD, autism, Asperger's, and other things on the spectrum. But also, as I was doing that research, I just came upon so much research on depression, schizophrenia, and bipolar disease. So you can't just rule out that the person doesn't have gluten intolerance because they don't run to the bathroom every time they eat a piece of bread. Oh, I tolerate gluten okay, is what people tell me. Namika, why are you here? Well, I'm depressed. I have thyroid dysfunction. I have this autoimmune condition. So we have to look at these genes and explain to them the connection. So those are some. Another one that's super important, CTLA-4. And that's related to autoimmune disease. And oftentimes somebody has that, they're going to be prone to Hashimoto's, but other autoimmune diseases as well. And the gluten is going to trigger the manifestation of that autoimmune disease. So it's Really, really important to look at that one. TNF-alpha, TNF, that one is related to inflammation, cytokines, right? That and IL-6. And there's a whole bunch of others related to cytokines, IL-6, IL-3, IL-13, interleukins, right? Some of them are anti-inflammatory. Most of them are inflammatory, right? So these are the things that if people have some of these in their genetics, they're going to be more prone to inflammation and autoimmune disease. And we know that just about every autoimmune disease, I don't know of any, that have been proven not to be related to leaky gut. So we have to be working on the gut. We have to be looking at the factors that cause people to have leaky gut, if they have any of these. So getting people off of gluten, 
even just get them off for six months. And six months of minimum time because it takes that long for the antigenic load from the gluten to release from the body. It could be longer in some people. And some people don't actually feel a difference. I had a person who had been diagnosed with Sjogren's syndrome, which is an autoimmune disease that causes everything to be dry, dry eyes, dry mouth, dry mucous membranes. And I worked with her. I got her off of wheat. I got her off of a lot of things. But, uh, and she mostly was off of gluten. She was getting better and better, but there were still some nagging, lingering symptoms. And I was telling her, I think that there's more to this. And I think it's not just the wheat. It might be a total gluten thing. Are you doing any other forms? She goes, oh, you know what? I've gotten worse over the last few weeks because I found the spelt bread. That was so good. It wasn't dry and yicky like most of them. And I started eating it more. Oh, are you willing to go off of gluten completely for six months? She said, absolutely. So she did. And one of the biggest symptoms she had with her autoimmune was exhaustion. So she went, she went off the gluten completely. And then she had some family crisis and she was having to stay up late to tend to relatives. And she found that um, she was only getting six hours of sleep a night for multiple nights. And she was nervous. I'm going to collapse. I'm going to fall apart. I know it. This is what's always happened before. But she realized she wasn't. She was able to cope. She started to think, why am I able to cope now when I wasn't before? And she went back and thought about things and realized it was six months almost to the day that she had completely given up gluten. This was, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, and she is still gluten-free to this day. And she stays away from it. Her autoimmune disease is under control, right? She also got her life back. She got off the antidepressants and she has her energy back and she work. She just retired from a full-time job. I mean, she was able to get her life back all because of this. So don't underestimate. And when you're talking to people, make sure that when you're asking about gluten intake, that they're aware it's not just wheat, it's other things. And some people it's accidental exposure. We had somebody who was just gluten-free and doing all the stuff and just still had nagging symptoms. And he went and did a wheat zoomer test, which is a test fiber in America does. He went and did that test and it showed that he had exposure to gluten. He's like, where, where? He starts reading the labels of everything. It turned out he had been eating a lentil soup, you know, popular brand, I won't mention, that had hidden gluten in it. So it's really important that you teach people how to read the labels and look for hidden sources of gluten when they have inflammatory and autoimmune symptoms, right? So these are the genetic markers. So how do we look at some of the lab testing. Well, there's the obvious inflammatory markers, C-reactive protein, C-reactive protein, highly sensitive is the one that I recommend, HS-CRP. There's erythrocyte sedimentation rate, also called ESR or SED rate. These are inflammatory markers, but they're generalized. So they're not specific. And I've seen people with full-blown autoimmune diseases where C-reactive protein is not severely elevated. I like to see CRP under one. Like under 0.5 is actually good. The lab range is up to three. So if you have them in that, you know, iffy zone, like between 0.5 and three, still you're looking for inflammation. So we want to test that. Homocysteine is an inflammatory marker, and it's overlooked by a lot of doctors. More and more are starting to do it now. Risk of cardiovascular, but also brain dysfunction. 
brain inflammation. So test their CRP, test their homocysteine. When homocysteine is elevated, it's most likely to be a deficiency of B vitamins, B6, B9, and B12. 6, 9, 12, okay? B2 can be involved, magnesium can be involved, has to do with methylation pathways. Really look at that. And if they have that homocysteine elevated, you often want to look at their genes to see if they have MTHFR, in particular C677T. That's going to predispose them. The other testing that's often overlooked, it's done a lot in functional medicine circles, but not in standard medical circles. Um, and I've even seen naturopaths who don't always do this, is fatty acid testing. There's some testing that you can do, and people can do it at home because uh, Genova has a test where they just have to prick their fingers. It's a blood spot, and it tests their omega-3s, omega-6s, omega-9s, saturated fats. And you get to see what the balance of the fats are. And when people have an out-of-balance 6 to 3 ratio, omega-6 to 3, they're much more prone to inflammation. And guess what? When you look at the standard American diet and even the standard healthier diet, right? Standard plant-based diet is actually very high omega-6 to 3 ratio because people are substituting dairy for almond milk. Almond milk has a 72 to 1 ratio of 6 to 3. So we have to be careful that we're getting enough threes compared to our sixes, right? We have to make sure that we're getting a good balance of fats. Saturated fats aren't bad. It's just bad saturated fats are bad. Hydrogenated, oxidized fats are bad, right? So we have to look at those ratios and see, is this person in an inflammatory state? Now, when we're looking at that, we're looking at a, an enzyme, delta-60 saturase. And delta-60 saturase converts our short-chain fatty acids from the foods like the flax seeds and chia seeds and hemp seeds and walnuts are all good sources of omega-3s, but they're short fatty acids, they're short-chain, and they need to be in the body then converted into EPA and DHA. And when that delta-60 saturase enzyme can't work, we can't convert them. So you can do some testing to see how the person is on various things. But B vitamins are essential. You look at most people, they don't get enough because they're eating a lot of refined foods. B3, B6, B9, B2, biotin, vitamin C, magnesium, a lot of nutrients that are affected. And if you look at the handout we give you, which is reinventhealthcare.com forward slash immune guide, I have some charts in there that you can use to determine and help you, guide you with the foods and the nutrients that people may need in order to get this fatty acid in balance. And then finally, another test that's not done very often is antibody testing, autoantibody testing. A lot of people are doing now thyroid antibody testing, but here's the thing about autoimmune diseases. They usually don't come in singlets, they come in pairs or triplets. So there are tests that you can do to test for a variety of autoantibodies. Cyrex Labs has a panel, I think it's called Array 5, that will test for 36 different autoantibodies. And then you can determine if they don't want to spring $500, I think is what the test costs, that you can look at what their symptoms are, which goes back to doing a really good history and then determining which of the autoantibodies might be there. But you know what? If one is there, they're likely to have many. And so 
for me, it's not always necessary from my own perspective for managing these people. But again, going back to motivating people, if they see, oh my God, I have antibodies that are affecting my myocardium, my heart. My dad died of heart disease. My sister died of heart disease. Maybe I need to take note of this, right? They may not be as inspired for thyroid, but you you can test for lupus antibodies. You can test for collagen antibodies. Again, I use them to motivate people, not necessarily to determine my management protocol because I treat or manage autoimmune diseases the same. We've got to go through the autoimmune framework, which we talk about in our SHINE event, which was all about mastering autoimmunity. And we'll put the link to that, the recordings to that in the show notes where you can purchase the recordings if if you want to go deeper with autoimmune. So that's the story, right? Inflammation, autoimmunity, it's so common here. Immune disorders over the last years where we've been in a pandemic situation, we owe it to our patients and our clients to help them to get the best immune system possible. And we can do that when we really understand it. We have other podcast episodes on the immune system. I'd recommend you go ahead and listen. Some of them are with me. Some of them are with me and guests. Uh, We have autoimmune. We have testing protocols. So I highly recommend that you go back to reinventhealthcare.com. And if you look at all the episodes under immune, you're going to go way deeper with this topic. So take charge. Help people to truly get well. Don't buy into the symptom suppression model, even if it's symptom suppression with great herbs. Anti-inflammatory herbs are great. Ginger and turmeric, and they help support, but we need to get to the root cause and help people truly get well. So invite you to visit inemethod.com and learn more about all the great systems and support and the way we approach health and uh, our NEPT program, which is Nutritional Endocrinology Practitioner Program, which is a certification in how do you help people with root cause and get to the heart of what's really going on for them. So go study, learn, be the best practitioner you can. And until next time, shine on. Thanks for listening to Reinvent Healthcare. We are part of the movement to change healthcare for the better. If you liked this episode, leave a rating and a review. And for more resources to support you in growing a thriving and fulfilling practice, visit our website at inemethod.com.